Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome back to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, often imitated, never duplicated. Um, we'd like to thank <laughs> all of our caffeinators for your continued support by rep- representing and wearing our merchandise. Um, we've got some new stuff up in the store, some other stuff we're working on. Um, to all of our Patreons, and we have a new Patreon this uh, this month, Megan Williams, thank you so much for, for coming on board um, and for your awesome suggestions too. Um, and just for all of you out there continuing to download our episodes and subscribing to all of our channels. If you're new to the Vet Tech Cafe, if you're a first timer, um, head over to vettechcafe.com for all of the info about um, Dave and I and why we do this and where you can find us. Um, we're on all of the major platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We have a YouTube channel that we put the, the videos from our Taproom episodes up there. Um, so definitely check us out and, and uh, subscribe and follow along. We really appreciate everybody's support. Dave, how's it going out there? You were just up at uh, up in New England at New Hampshire Vet Tech Association, right? Yeah, and and I brought home a little a little gift from that uh, <laughs> trip. Um, the viral kind. Uh, the, the viral kind. Yes the the people that that declared COVID to be over. I would like to file a complaint because it is not over. Um, came home, uh, had a bit of a sore throat, had the Barry White voice going on. Uh, so it's unfortunate we couldn't record an episode with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, took a test and it was negative. Um, Robin came home from work the, the next day and, and um, she, she said, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I trust that. And I was like, no, it, it tested negative and um, took a test the next day because I was starting to have like, allergy symptoms like runny eyes and sniffly and stuff like that and sure enough i was positive and mm. um she went to a conference um was feeling fine up until uh, a day or two ago and then now she has it so mm. uh yay Hooray. fun stuff yeah. um and so she was gone so i'm here with covid and uh full house of animals to take care of full farm of animals to feed and um it's not been a fun week for me um but i'm i'm feeling better it's just that now that she's back now that i have one more thing to take care of is which is her um (laughs) but we're we're hanging in there and uh hoping to be hoping to be full strength uh soon um how are things going out there i know i know daphne's about to turn a year 
It turns right? a year old a year old tomorrow, which uh, if nice. you've been following along for a little while, it's crazy to think that I was just going out on paternity leave a year ago, and, and here know. we are now. Um, yeah, so we've got that going on, and then um, I was just up in the Bay Area this past oh, weekend. Yeah, I just got up. back. Yeah, just got back like midnight last night. We had the um, the Carve to Symposium, uh, which we do up in the Bay Area every spring. Um, it's kind of our first in-person one coming out of COVID. So has some really great sponsors this year. Attendance was a little lacking, which was a bummer. But at the same time, I think, I think for a lot of people, there's just been now like the advent of so much incredible virtual CE. Yeah. I think that some of the smaller conferences and maybe even some of the bigger ones too, I, I think, you know, they're going to struggle with in-person attendance kind of going forward, or at least it's going to make a dent. Not that, the, not that people aren't going to show up. Uh, but of course it's so much better for the sponsors to, to be, have in-person attendees, people they can actually get in front of and talk about their, their products or the business or, or what have you. So we'll, we'll continue to keep doing it. Um, but uh, I think we're just going to have to accept that um, attendance isn't going to be what it once yeah, was, I, which is a bummer because. I hope the sponsorship doesn't see that and say, well, we're not going to be spending yeah, money on these things anymore. Cause agreed. Agreed. I, I, I mean, it'll be, be interesting to see what the next year or two holds as far as that goes. Um, you know, once to, to see if it starts to trend back up with in-person attendance, um, or if it, if it just, you know, kind of stays lower because with an online symposium, they just, you know, sure they get their name on a slide, but they don't actually get to get their people That's out. That's not the same. You know, it's yeah. not the same. And so, um, so I don't know we'll see, um, you know, we're, we're going to solicit feedback from all angles and, and see what we can improve upon for next year to, to make it a little bit better. And, uh, but we had a fantastic program. Um, we had 10 hours of CE four VTS speakers, um, oh, nice. Yeah, so it was uh, it was really really great program. So uh, hopefully, and we, I saw you get I saw you got to take a picture with Liz. Yep, yep. Liz was one of our speakers. Got to see Liz. Um, That's great. Uh, past uh, episode, Deborah, um, who did our episode on lab animal oh, medicine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's on our board, so got to see her. Um, we gave away a couple registrations. Got to meet those people. So you know, all great. in all, it was it was good. It was a lot of fun. Good to be back out doing that again. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so. Super cool. So excellent. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what do you say we go ahead and get started? So, if you, again, if you're new to the Vet Tech Cafe, um, and this is your first kind of May series, so May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, we dedicate our May episodes to mental health issues in our field. Um, and the first year we did it, we kind of, you know, just did three different episodes. And then every year since, we've tried to, to do a, a more focused, uh, theme. theme or topic. Yeah, if you will. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, last year we, we kind of did the episodes surrounding addiction and this year we're doing them surrounding bullying. Um, and we've done one or two episodes about this in the past, kind of one-off deals, not a, not related to our May series, but, uh, but we decided to, to go ahead and make it our, our May theme this year. So, uh, both of our guests that we have, um, our previous Vet Tech Cafe guests, which is really awesome. It's not often we get to have people come back by and join us again, but um, you might remember from one of our July episodes last year, Heather Carter. Um, so she's coming back by today to, to join us again. Um, just a quick recap of, of who she is. Um, definitely revert back to that episode because it was a fantastic episode full of just 
really, really, really cool discussion. Um, but she works with a strong team of thought leaders dedicated to revolutionizing the team experience. She has 15 years experience in the veterinary industry, both on the medical and leadership sides. She's a BTS in anesthesia and analgesia and has a master's degree in industrial and organizational psychology from George Mason University. And her focus is on fighting turnover and preserving veterinary teams. So, um, Heather, welcome back. Um, I don't Hi. get to say that very often, but we're so stoked mm-hmm. you're back again. Um, Same. So what, <laughs> what can we get you for a cup of coffee, caffeinated beverage of choice? I don't remember what you I, liked. <laughs> oh, I'm a Starbucks person. I would like a um, iced shake and espresso with oat oh. milk, please. Okay. So I, is that the one that Robin introduced me to that? Uh, is that the new one that's got yes. like brown sugar or something in it mm-hmm. like that? I yes. ha- I got that and I, I got Try the toasted I, vanilla one. Don't the, I, I like I, that over the brown sugar one. Yeah, I didn't like the brown sugar one. It it was too I don't want to say it was too sweet, but it was too sweet and like Yeah, it is too sweet. Yeah. Like like thick and heavy almost. Yeah. Um where where I mean, she loves it. I'm sure you love it, but man, not for me. Yeah, I prefer the <laughs> toasted vanilla. But, um, okay, maybe I'll try that. I'll try that one. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, we'll, we'll kick our caffeinators back to your previous episode, but just take us a little bit through your career path, kind of what got you into vet med, what you're doing now, and then we'll kind of jump off from there with what we're going to talk about. So a quick recap is I joined vet med just for the same reason, probably everyone did because I thought all you did was work with animals and that was quickly not true. <laughs> um, I wanted to get, I got a VTS because I somehow knew the the need to like what I could potentially do with a specialty. And I also thought that I could, that would be a cool way to maybe help preserve the people I work with or work around. And then I realized I was going to need a lot more um, skills and knowledge to be able to do that. So long story short, I went to grad school and got a master's in IO psychology, which is the study of human behavior in the workplace. And um, that is great for my job right now. And I'm the vice president of People and Culture at Partner Veterinary, which is based in Frederick, Maryland. That's a title I don't think I've heard before. Talk Isn't that a great a title? Bit, talk to Vice us a little bit about that. People and Culture. So the three kind of pillars that I work that kind of make up my job is recruitment, retention, and training. And so a lot of that is the like ensuring the right people are hired into the right roles. Once they're in those roles, have that they have the right resources, the right training materials. There's like full, like complete training is achieved. And then what goals does that person want to work towards to keep them in their jobs? Because um, goal achievement has been cited as a reason that people want to stay in their jobs. And it's a really great objective way to kind of do developmental meetings instead of reviews. We do those instead of reviews because obviously everyone has, that's a trigger word in vet med is a review. Mm -hmm. So if we have objective information that you set a goal January 1st and the following January 1st, that's completed. That's great. That gives us tangible, yeah, again, objective information towards like promotions, raises, whatever. And um, yeah, so overall, it just helps to keep people in their roles. But beyond that, I take it like I look at people and culture like outside of our uh, hospital of like the people and the culture in veterinary medicine in general. So like getting the opportunity to do this, I look at that as an extension of people and culture, speaking, et cetera, um, is a way to, yeah, the people and the culture of vet men. Cool. Um, the, just real quick, with with goals and goal setting, that is that something that employees typically like 
lay out what they want to do? Do you guys have metrics for them and those are their goals or, or a little combination of both or? Little combination of both. Um, in IO psychology is a like data and evidence based uh, specialty. So it works really well in vet med. And so um, I can pull the specific stats on it, but goal achievement, meaning like maybe something small or something big. And depending on what that person wants to work towards. So perhaps it's somebody who is kind of new in vet med and their goal is to complete the training program in 16 weeks or something like that. Or maybe it's a person who's a really seasoned um, credential technician, but they've and they've been talking about a VTS for years and they kind of want to work towards it. Gotcha. Maybe the first part of that. And then I think it's up to in like what I would do for that person is like, okay, let's break this big goal into several digestible goals. So one, do you qualify? That's a goal. Two, do you have this information, et cetera, instead of just like, okay, go do the thing. Because I think that's where people kind of, um, it gets really overwhelming or intimidating and then you don't complete it. So okay. yeah, so I guess both things. If that makes is that okay, an yeah, 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 a little bit, a little bit mm -hmm. of column A, a little bit of column yeah. B. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that's a that's a unique approach. I think that you know we always talk about that. Like, what are your goals? What do you want to do? And you know, probably how how do you see that as the first like that first meeting with a new employee? Like, how does that meeting go? Because I, I would imagine if somebody did that to me, or or presented that to me, I would I would say, gosh, how do I don't really know. I've I no just want to, I want to work here and I want to take care of animals and I want to be happy. Yeah. Um, do you, do you lay that stuff out beforehand before they get to that first meeting? No, I think the first meeting is more of a opportunity to be like, hi, how are you? Do you have okay. everything you need? And are yeah. you, is there something you want to work towards? So we have a medical oncology department and there's a couple of people who want to work on um, like a grief counseling certification. So I think it can be something that is like a CE thing, but also something that you could use to improve the way you do your job. But I think that's a, that opportunity is the kind of like plant the seed of what do you want to work towards? Like, what are your personal and professional goals while you're here? And maybe it's like, I just want to get off work on time. Okay, great. So let's make sure you have all the <laughs> yeah. training you need, but also we have the right infrastructure to make sure that people are getting out on time. That's great. That's that's amazing. That's a, a great way of approaching yeah. it. And whew. so um, question, I believe we asked you last year because we've been asking this question for quite some mm -hmm. time. Uh, where do you see the veterinary technician profession right now? What are what are things that we need to work on more? What are things that are going great? Uh, and how do we keep up with, the, with that momentum? I feel like I think I see some progress and improvement. I think that some of the I get to do um, recruitment for our Frederick hospital that's opening. And some of the people I've been had the opportunity to connect with it's, I can feel that they feel a little bit more positive and a little more, um, engaged in what they're doing. But then I have enough friends and obviously like enough like group chats with people and I have friends who, um, vent about their day at work, but I still see the same kind of pain points, the same obstacles that are promoting the same problems, like absent, leadership, not a focus on the team. Maybe the focus is more on like client service, client satisfaction. Um, and I think that eventually erodes the team. Um, I think there's inconsistent expectations. I have friends in jobs that don't have job descriptions and they don't really know what is expected of them. They kind of have an idea in a day, but like overall what their job is, they don't know. And then I think there's still a 
space where this kind of behavior of bullying and hazing still gets to thrive. That's a that's a great segue because I, I was just going to kind of ask <laughs> about that is, is to, to kind of get us off and rolling here. So your previous episode, we talked with you and, and you had reached out to us with a couple ideas for, for episodes. And so your previous episode, we talked about turnover, organizational stuff, strategies to mitigate that. So our focus today is going to be how hazing and bullying kind of fit into that. So go ahead and start off on that. And then we'll, we've got some kind of other questions as we go through. Fantastic. Um, so first I want to define it. And in IO psychology, we call it lateral violence. Okay. And I think if you use that kind of language and with that, I think it gives it a little bit more perspective of what the individual or individuals are experiencing. And then we also have vertical violence. So you can get it from down to down, downward, upward, or sideways, which I think is can make for a really difficult work environment. Um, but the definition is just non-consensual actions that are designed to harm or ridicule, ridicule a individual, and those include gossiping, intimidation, um, backstabbing, exclusion. What else do I have? Um, hypercritical responses is a big one. Like mm. we don't put the flush there. We put the flush over here. Um, and the main like goal of it are these are like overt or covert. So kind of secret or out in the open actions that um, are dis- are like directed on people less powerful than the one doing it. That's those, those terms. Uh, I hadn't even thought about those until just now. So when we talked to Emily Kinney, I think two years ago, Dave, maybe three now, three years, three now in her episode, we had talked about bullying some, and she talked about lateral violence or, or the, the vertical right up to down yeah. or down to up. And it, it blew my mind. And I hadn't really thought about those terms you know, yeah. in the short term after that episode, I certainly did, but I had kind of forgotten about them. Um, and just kind of thinking all of the ways already that that can happen in vet med. So it sounds like this is probably more common than we think it might be. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I got to present at vet show in Austin last year um, on this. And I asked the audience, how many people in this room have experienced some form of bullying, hazing, lateral violence, and myself included, every single person raised their hand. So, and then when I was in grad school, I did a kind of informal study, but I did, had a sample size of 180 people and found that greater than 80% of those people experienced some degree of um, lateral violence. Gotcha. And was that, were those people, uh, was that like all vet med or primarily vet med? All vet med. Yeah. So included doctors, included, yeah. Support staff of all, like all levels of the organization. Wow. It would be interesting, I think, if if you went back and um, kind of flipped that question and said, how many of you have done that or how many of you've done that? Exactly right. Yeah. There's times, and Jeff and I I have talked about this, of of, there's times that we can think back to our our days of thinking that we were doing things that are maybe even constructive criticism or maybe even trying to be helpful, but not realizing at the time that that was probably detrimental for the the people that we were talking to. Oh, totally. I was that person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I'm able to understand it because I think when I first, I got my VTS 15 years ago, 100 years ago is what it feels like. Um, (laughs) But I remember being like thinking I was like helping people by explaining like what something meant or why you should try this instead of that. And I know I came at it the wrong way because 
of the response I saw on their face and it didn't get me anywhere, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like you don't, maybe you don't realize you're doing it. Yeah, for sure. I, I had a review, um, I'm going back probably, this is 2023 now, probably eight, nine years ago while I was still working at the clinic uh, my wife works at now. And in my review, uh, my manager said I needed to be nicer to new people. And it like, she, she was always very blunt, like no, like, I mean, it was just, you know, that's exactly how she worded it. I need to be nicer to new people. I have no idea. I don't even know, like yeah. I, I, to this day, I still don't know to what she was referring. She didn't give me any examples or anybody like, you know, tell me people I wasn't but nice like, to, oh my or, God. but I, yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, to this Point day, to 10, <laughs> 10 years later, I mean, I don't work face to face with anybody anymore, but certainly going forward, I was like, I went out of my way to be more engaging, to be more receiving to like, I just, but I had no idea, no idea. I had the same thing when I was not even very long in the field, I mean, five, six years in the field. And one of my reviews said that the receptionists are afraid of you. And I was like, afraid of me? Like I'm a, I'm a teddy bear. Why, what are you afraid of? Mm -hmm. Uh, And since that moment, I've, I've made an effort to, yeah. Be more friendly around, around, you know, we call them receptionists then CSRs now. And, and cause their job is, gosh, mm-hmm. man, their job, we should have a whole conversation about their job. Their job is very no tough. Kidding. Um, and it actually reared its head again, uh, maybe eight, nine years ago where, where a receptionist said, you're not very nice to me. And I was like, I, oh, I mean, good for her. I, for I don't feel like, like I'm, I'm not like that, but yeah. Um, it, it took me back and I was like, Oh, let's have a conversation and figure out how, no, we, nice. can, how we can mend this mend this relationship. Yeah. And now, and now I'm, you know, right right back on being on board with all the CSRs of like, yes, you have a hard job. Yeah. Um, we all have to be nice to each other um, all the time, yeah. all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So thinking about hazing itself, um, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's a term that we typically think of like high school football teams, uh, yeah. college fraternities. Yeah. Military, all that stuff. Um, how how does that manifest itself in uh, the vet med space? Oh, like what does it cause, or how does it? What's an example of it? Like what's what's an yeah? What would be something that you know we might not have noticed and recognized as hazing? Okay. And how 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 uh, prevalent do you think that is? Interactions with peers. I think it's very very common. I think almost every hospital maybe has some degree of it. Um, but I think like a version of this or what you might see is um, you're a new person and your team lead, your manager or something like that says, oh, this is Heather. Heather can be a little difficult to get to know, but once you know her, she's great. Like that kind of stuff. That's like the little like covert oh. hazing where so that would this be- person just gets, to, yeah, they get to be just like a mean person until they decide they like you. And then it's just, you know, oh. this open secret of- okay you know, this is just how you work with this person. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like the clicks of people that will keep somebody on the outside until like some event occurs or like some amount of time passes. And then they decide that that person's allowed into the click. Um, I think that this is where like the behavior of doctors is a big deal of like, you just like that doctor is just difficult and you got to get to know them and then they'll, they're really nice to you. You know, but I've worked in places yeah. where you went to go ask a doctor if they were could talk to this owner or whatever, and they close the door in your face. Like mm. that's kind of those, yeah, the like maybe kind of covert stuff, and it's just given the excuse of they're just a little bit hard to get to know, and it's made okay. Uh, you know, I, I never really thought about like 
hazing in veterinary medicine like we're talking about like how how that could actually be and as you two were talking i was sitting here thinking back to uh so i'm going back probably 25 years now uh, because it was while we were still at our our old clinic um i was still a veterinary assistant i wasn't even uh, registered yet i didn't even know what an rvt was yet but um one of the other veterinary assistants was the owner veterinarian's stepson and he worked with us part-time after school he was in he was in high school at the time and he and I were good buddies, uh, but he was new to vet med. And you guys remember like back in the day when you would put like before you would even wear exam gloves like for every patient, but you used to have like a glass <laughs> jar on the counter of like just gloves where you could grab them. Yeah. Like yeah. just one day as a joke, like when we were stocking stuff, I told him he had to fold the gloves to put them in the jar <laughs> Okay, and he uh-huh. filled an entire jar of folded rubber exam gloves and like thinking about it now like that that totally qualifies yeah i mean did he laugh at all i mean at least it wasn't made to you be know, it, harmful it, yeah, of, like well, that you made fun of him or, or something yeah it, but i mean i well i mean we all laughed heavily at, at his expense and, sure. and you know oh, i mean yeah you know I, I i'd like to think no damage done but uh but you know like it, it's I can see how little stuff like that, especially if, if it's somebody that doesn't know you, is not in the clique, is like how that kind of stuff can actually be. Yeah. Well, I, I think that also th- there's a fine line there. You know, like you said, if, if it's not somebody that you know very well or yeah. is quote unquote right. in the clique. Um, but if it's someone that and I hate to use the term clique, but I'm going to if it's someone that's within your like friend group and in your mm-hmm. clique doing something like that is probably something that just perpetuates more pranks back and forth, yeah. not necessarily hazing, but it's, it's very difficult to, to navigate that line. Yeah. Where saying, the line is, is this yeah. person going to be receptive to this? Cause I can think back to things like that. And we would laugh about that for, for months mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. things like that. And, and it was hilarious. And, you know, it kind of perpetuated things going back and forth of, of playing jokes on each other. But then again, we have to wonder like, yeah, they're in on the joke how, or not. How was, how was that in, received? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how is that received by that person? Right. Are are they part of that clique? But then also, how is that perceived by people outside of the clique? Totally. And saying that, oh, they've got these little inside jokes that I'm not mm-hmm. part of. So, man, man, there's there's such a fine line to, to, to dance around. Yeah, but also, like, if you have, and we'll get into a little more of this, I'm sure, but, like, if you have rapport with a person and you have, like, some other things in place then those kind of things can, then they're just a joke. They don't mean mm. anything else. But if you are not welcoming to that person, if you, if that person is like afraid to come talk to you or whatever, and then you say, fold all of those, then there's no other context other than I better do what this person says, because I think we all want to do good in our jobs. And then, yeah. you know, but if you are like been joking and you say, fold these, you have the opportunity to be like, are you serious? Yeah, I'm supposed to do right. that. Um, so kind of getting back to then, bullying and and we've kind of established you know that it's very common sometimes obvious sometimes not but like you mentioned lateral violence and you mentioned the vertical as well can you define those a little bit more maybe put out some examples of of what that might look like yeah so lateral violence is um the and i'm only going to i'm using the terms of just maybe because it comes from my personal experiences isn't calling one group out or another it's like the technician who's been in the 
her role for their role for years and years. They know the ins and outs of the hospital. And then a newer technician comes and then that technician is just graduated. And this other person has maybe been doing it for 20 years. And just for the sake of being a new person in the new space, this person is a target of harassment, just general like disdain for this person for no other reason other than they're just new in the space. So that's like, so side by side, and, or it could be the new vet assistant, it's the new CSR. Um, and then vertical, or yes, vertical violence is the specialist who ridicules you because you didn't know the answer to something. And maybe it's like the specialist to the ER doctor, even maybe depending on the structure of that, the organizational chart, but it's somebody above you deciding that just for sheer sake of you being lower than them, quote unquote, on the org chart means that you're the victim of their insecurity, basically. Gotcha. And and is it possible to go the other way up? Like can, I mean, I don't necessarily want to like thinking about, you know, a technician above a receptionist and a doctor above a technician, but I can imagine a new established, uh, or uh, not a new, um, like a, a well-established technician in a hospital and a new veterinarian coming in oh, totally. could, could, yeah. so it can go up as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I worked in a hospital where we had, an, you know, like interns and mm-hmm. the new set of interns give them like a month or two to kind of get their bearings. But those, some of those technicians would be, would just make life really difficult for them again, just because they're new. But if, yes, you're right. Like if you look at an org chart, those doctors should not report to those technicians, but yes, absolutely. So by vertical, yeah, it can go up. I think more commonly it comes down, sure, but sure. yeah. Yeah. I, I, I almost kind of wonder if, if in some ways our field is a little bit unique in that idea of, of going, uh, I can't imagine, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mid-level management, you know, vertical, you know, being vertically violent to a CEO or something like that. But like in yeah. our field, you know, I, right. I could kind of see how that yeah. actually happens. Yeah, it's very, I think, yes, it's just like um, a lot of the um, statistics that I have pulled and a lot of the research is like really specific to human med, but there's obviously a lot of like, at, like, it's really easy to correlate that over to vet med. And now there's, there's more studies on what toxic work environments, you know, bullying, hazing in vet med, what that does to people. Interesting. As someone who doesn't work in clinics as much as I used to, I, I don't see as much of that as I do now. Um, but now what I'm seeing more of is like social media uh, Ooh, bullying. Yeah. Um, I, I realize I'm opening up a big old can of, of worms here. Um, but do you have any thoughts on that before we go to our break? Ooh, that's something to think about. You're right. And I'm not a social media person. So definitely that wasn't even on my radar. Um, yeah. Those kind of like cryptic things that are like show up on people's stories about like, if you're going to be a team, be like those kind of things. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually like that gives me a good opportunity to look something up. But I feel like you're right. I think there has to be we now have to capture us like put that into our um, definition of lateral violence, too. Yeah, yeah, I bet like there's a there's obviously like an in the workplace component. But I think yeah. here we are in 2023. There is also a there's yeah. a, another medium that that can take place in. Yes. Well, and it's also probably difficult to determine is this lateral violence or is this vertical violence because no, you don't really know who is on what plane, you know? So it, it's yeah. a little bit difficult to navigate. Yeah, that's complicated. How to address for sure. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, before we go too far, why don't yeah. we take our little break here and we'll, and we'll be back after the break. Mm-hmm. 
The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. Caffeinators, at the Vet Tech Cafe, you know we like to focus on mental health. If you're struggling with depression, burnout, compassion fatigue, or any of the other mental health challenges we discuss on our podcast, getting professional help is a great first step. We all need help with things like learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries, which empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major mental health challenges. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Dave, I've used BetterHelp. Um, I had really good success with it. I really like that it was entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. They really make it easy for you to get the help you need. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash VetTechCafe. It's time to invest in yourself. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, the cafe where Mental Health Awareness Month is pretty much every month for us, right, Jeff? Yeah, um, that's I, true. I don't think we ever spend a month where we don't tackle some type of mental health issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, Heather, we just had our ad for BetterHelp, and cool. uh, we like to always ask our guests out of the break, how do you manage your own mental health? Um, I manage my own mental health by knowing what my limits are and knowing what I need to recharge. And I'm unapologetic about that. So I need, I know where my boundaries are, how to communicate them. And I know that to recharge, I need to spend, I'm a largely extroverted person, but I still somehow need to spend like a day inside on the couch watching TV. That's how I recharge. (laughs) Love it. I love that. Yeah. Um, So just before the break, um, we kind of broached the subject of the idea of how social media can kind of play into, um, into this kind of bullying, hazing um, scenario. And, and you, I think you had something else you wanted to add before we move on. Yeah. I was thinking about this, of the fact that it's like outside of work and it's not happening to me, like directly to me. Um, this is why this came up. I was, we, um, are you, we have an all hands meeting coming up this week. And one of the tools we're going to go over the team are the four agreements. And two of those agreements are don't take things personally and don't assume. So I think if I was maybe Facebook friends or Instagram friends with somebody and I watched their story and there was something that was maybe I could interpret as being meant for me, mm-hmm. I don't think that's any of my business. So I'm not going to take that personally and I'm not going to assume it's about me. So like those two things, I think I would employ those two agreements to just like, that's a thing this person felt and I has nothing to, I'm not letting that right. into my brain. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Because I, I see, you know, I mean, it's, I feel like social media is now just meme media. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it, you, you <laughs> see, you see those where it's like, you know, toxic workplace culture or, you know, bad managing, like is basically yes. the subject. And like, as a, as a manager, if you're Facebook friends with somebody that, you know, an employee that shares that, I can yeah. see, I can see how that certainly would be troubling, but like you're saying, it, as long as that person isn't tagged in it or called out in it or whatever, assume positive intent and you know that it's not about you it's not personal maybe the person just 
you know, thought it was relatable or something and they're just sharing it, you know? Yeah. So it does, yeah. I guess it doesn't have to be, you know, that's, that's a really good way to phrase it. Don't assume. Mm, yeah. 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 There's like, um, yeah, there's, I think like it, I've heard this in places, um, but like, it's none of your business, what people like, yeah. it's none of my business of what people think about me. And that makes me feel a little less, yeah, that I don't feel responsible for, and I don't have to, um, Oh, yeah, I don't have to then be like, oh, my God, they really put that on social media. And then I did this. And now I'm mad. Right. right. So it's none of yeah. my business. Yeah, yeah, but not not everyone can can def- can have that boundary of, of saying, I'm not going to let that oh, bother yeah. me. There's a, there's a lot of people that the littlest oh, yeah. things bother them. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 tough with social media nowadays. You know, I I've said this for years that social media is is a great tool, but it's also a terrible tool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't really use it. Yeah. Yeah. So from a management standpoint, um, you know, we we're talking about bullying earlier. What strategies are there to address bullying? How do you how do you kind of navigate that and how do you mediate that? Um, I've got some nice tips here. So first, um, I as a manager, I want the managers to remember that there's a book called The Invisible Spotlight. And I want them to kind of like keep that in mind that regardless of what you're doing, where you're doing, there is some degree of a spotlight on you. So if you let something slide with like this person, you the manager sees the person who's generally the bully take something out on someone else, right? The rest of the team sees that. And your action or inaction is something that people then realize like, oh yeah, the, so management's never going to do anything about that. Um, mm. So anyways, a manager, like remember that you, there is that invisible spotlight, but also um, create a learning environment, create an environment where there's knowledge sharing. Um, maybe that's done through like, um, in-house CE or just like materials are available for people because I think some of it comes from if I teach you how to do the this hard thing, I'm suddenly not a strong employee anymore because or you're not as like coveted. Like Heather's the only one who knows how to place art lines. So when someone needs an art line, then it's like Heather to the rescue, right? So we define success a little differently instead of only having like the knowledge keepers success is defined as this person taught the entire overnight team how to place art lines. That's where we define success. Um, And also I think we need to just be in the mindset that I think a way to help it from a manager perspective is we're always going to be training somebody. We're never going to be in a spot where we're fully staffed and everyone's fully trained. And this whole (laughs) thing just works without nobody talking. Right. (laughs) Let's just stop thinking that and know that I'm always learning. I'm in a training. Like I think about what I learn every day as a, person who's like was on the floor not on the floor anymore whatever and the mantra i use and the thing i want people to like around me is just like be curious don't be angry at it just be curious so like maybe change that mindset um and then the manager consider your management style your leadership style are you more of a servant leader where you're like here let me do that for you which there's benefits to that but i feel like there's a lot a lot a lot of downsides to that type of leadership style or you were a you've been promoted into a role and you weren't given enough tools or agency autonomy so you don't really have the ability to do anything about it so um i think that um yeah so training for managers remember your um the invisible spotlight but also i think the big thing is put this in your employee handbook so it's literally people's job to be a nice coworker. Mm. thinking about the i think you use the the term knowledge keepers um, I feel like that is such a problem in veterinary yes. medicine. I feel like so many clinics out there have that one person that mm-hmm. have basically the fiduciary knowledge of how everything works in that hospital. They know 
they know the vendors they get which drugs from. Yep. They know the way the doctor likes things. That they they and they thrive being that person. Yes, and and they cannot bear essentially to not be that person. To yeah, like, that's their entire self worth. Right, yeah. right, and uh, I, I just. I feel like that is such, such, such a struggle. I think it's it's maybe not as bad in, in larger places or maybe there's just more of them. But when I think about some of the smaller, you know, single doctor, maybe two or one and a half doctor practices and not, you know, a large number of techs or, or what have you, it's just kind of, it, it almost becomes kind of a, a, a survival thing where somebody has to be that person because there always has yes. to be that person that every, anybody can go to. Mm-hmm. But then you still have to be able to to divide that out and and teach and share and feel like that's always that's long been a lot big roadblock in veterinary medicine. Yes, for sure. So like we have um, we use SharePoint as our kind of knowledge management tool. And so this morning I onboarded somebody and showed her like the ins and outs of SharePoint. And the point of it is if you don't know how to do something or where something is to do your job, the answer should be in SharePoint. And if it's not, it's because that person is maybe still finishing the document or there's been some edits to it, but there's not, it's that opportunity that there's not one person who knows everything because it's all of that information is put into SharePoint. That's a, that's a great way to help mitigate that having like mm-hmm. basically, you know, all the knowledge stuff you can write down or contact information or where we get yes, this. All that. That stuff, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's fascinating. Well, and having it easily accessible. Yes. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if you get, I don't know if you use Teams, Heather, but man, yes. If if all of my content information was kept in Teams, I would be I would be the dumbest technician because I cannot <laughs> navigate Teams. <laughs> I hate it so much; it's the worst. <laughs> I'm, I'm a I'm a Google Drive person all day, oh, every day. Okay. Got it. I, I, can, I did realize I can that. manage Google Drive like nobody's business, but mm-hmm. Teams, I'm like. I don't know. Am I even logged into the right account? I don't even know. <laughs> no, we're Outlook people for sure. Um, yeah. My, yeah, we like, that's just it. Like we were, had the, a lot of our stuff initially was in Google and my boss and I are like, no, we're Outlook people, period. Yeah. Mm. So we're teams. So well, I guess I can't work with you. Yeah, I guess that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> right, the... <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that sounds That's, that's a deal breaker for yeah. me. Yeah. That's a deal that's breaker. <laughs> so thinking about, you know, addressing bullying um, in mm-hmm. the clinic. So is it is this something like the the person being bullied can tackle or try to to do on their own? Should they should they always go to management or at least alert management to to what's happening and discuss it with their manager as far as how like if you're the person that's on yeah, the receiving, receiving end, end. like mm-hmm. where do you start? Like you you you're finally like I've had enough. I I, I you know, what, what next? So I do, I've got a couple points and tools for that, those individuals. So if you're the team member experiencing this, the points I have for you are to document things and document things with facts and the ability to document the facts without the emotion is a huge thing. Um, and report this. And in your reporting, I want you to use succinct, specific language. I don't, you know, like the emails that are this long that say like, so I come in and she's like doing that thing where she doesn't ignore me, right? Like imagine, um, I think some of this is also then like email etiquette and email hygiene. If this is a big conversation you need to have about this, set up a meeting with your manager. But in my brain, emails are like 200 words or less, basically, right? It's for information. It's bulleted stuff. 
So say I've experienced several occasions of this individual giving, like making it a really difficult slash hostile work environment. What is your schedule so I can discuss these specifics? Something like that. But then that is documented. And then ask for help. What's the, like, what strategies do you have for me? Can I change my schedule? Can this person change their schedule? Do we need to be, is there need to be a mediator? But the big part of it is don't engage. Don't engage that because if you are, if I'm the recipient of bullying and the only thing I'm doing is my job, it makes it real easy to identify the person who's not doing their job. So just don't engage that. And then if you're the only source of like positivity or you're, it's coming from all areas, it's okay to be like, maybe this isn't the hospital for me, you know? So I think like, it's okay to be like, I've tried these things. This isn't working. It's affecting my mental health. Like it's okay to say this isn't the place for me. Um, but also there's a healthy workplace bill that's in several states. I know you have like listeners all over the place. So see what the, like what that, what is available to you in the states where there is the healthy workplace bill. But the goal of that whole bill is to um, prevent and correct abusive work environments. So maybe there's something like if you report it, then something can happen. What about like, I don't even know if this is, you know, a a real life scenario that's ever happened, but let's say you are the bully and somebody has come to you and said like, Hey, what, what, like, I mean, obviously, right. you, You make a conscious choice to, to, be better or more self-aware that you're actually having this effect on people. But like, mm-hmm. what, what do you do? Yeah. So I'm thinking of it, like, I think this helps because I similarly had, you know, I feel like I've been in that space and I didn't know necessarily that I was, I didn't wake up that day making a decision that I was going to go yeah. be a monster at right. work. <laughs> so I think that um, this might be an easier way to answer the question. If I'm the manager addressing the person who's the bully, I feel like there's one of two of one two, one of two ways for this conversation to go. Um, one way is, how are you doing? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And then giving that person the opportunity to be like, yeah, I guess. What's wrong? And then you say because four different people on these different shifts have said this, and maybe this is kind of out of context for you, or maybe it's like you're not normally this type of person, or you're generally, you know, just what we were all just saying, like the CSR who said, "I'm scared of you" or something, right? Yeah. So, like, are you okay? And then what's wrong? What's going on? Maybe there's something happening outside of work that they don't realize they're bringing into work. So I feel like giving them the opportunity to be like, oh, wow. And like you guys said, and me too, when brought to my attention, yeah, I was told I was intimidating at one hospital. And I was like, what am I doing? Is it on my face? Am I, yeah, like give me examples. So I would have examples for that person too. For example, like you aren't too nice to new people and that's got to stop. So I think in there, the like boundary and the expectation. Okay. So then option two, let's say maybe you've had a few conversations with a bully and you're like, now we're back again. And you're like, okay, so we talked last month. You said you had some stuff going on. You said you were going to work on it. Two more things happened. So here's what's going to happen. Like, this is a verbal warning. The next thing is a written warning, but there needs to be consequences for that. And I think that we have to stop thinking like this person's a really high performer. And if I get rid of this person, I don't have anybody to fill this shift. We, we, that's the wrong way of thinking of it. Instead of, if I keep this person, I'm never going to have a fully staffed hospital. I'm never going to have a healthy workplace. And if I remove this one person, I, you think of the like equity you get with the rest of the team where they're like, see, I went to her or them, whoever, several times about this situation. And they did something about it. I mean, imagine that's like, 
to be that effective in your role. And then people are like the breath of fresh air. I think that there has to be some sort of action around it, if that makes sense. Mm. So I guess if I'm the bully, though, if I'm the bully, I guess like understand that there's going to be some feedback and I need to be receptive to that feedback. And just thinking about like, <clears throat> this is a good segue into workplace culture, you know, with bullying and workplace culture, obviously the the bullying that's happening is going to be uh, have a negative impact on it. But think about let's think about what happens when uh, either action or inaction against the bully to try to address the situation that also is going to have some consequences. So talk about how that's going to be affected. So it takes like just one person to affect the culture. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is like you, it, depending on who that bully is, they might again have that little click. So the culture becomes a scary place. There's no psychological safety, which is my favorite thing. And that's the thing to like your ability to ask questions, the ability to be wrong in a situation, the ability to just be like, I'm lost if somebody can help me right now. So if you, if that, if your culture is a focus on that, it's affecting your patient care, it's affecting your patient outcomes. There's no new ideas. There's no innovation because people are just kind of like stagnant or not going to offer anything because for fear of like retribution and the patient care thing that could be like, I'm working and I know Jeff comes in at six. These meds are due at four. I need help, but I'm not asking so-and-so for it. So I'm going to wait for Jeff to come in. So like, Mm, imagine that on a larger scale where you're just going to like avoid doing things because you have to include people that you don't want to talk to. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely experienced that quite a, a lot at my last clinical job. And the the culture was something, and, and and to your earlier point too, they they had a very difficult time hiring. It was a very, very large place in a very, very small area. There wasn't a huge pool to draw from. But so as such, the, the, the people that were creating this culture, like mm-hmm. they, they were essentially bulletproof. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I mean, I, I would say all the time, if you want to change the culture, you have like people create the culture. If you want to yes. change a culture, you have to change the people. And yes, it, it's, it, it's a, yes, it's going to suck in the short term, but if you want your long term to be better, like that's, that's ultimately what you have to do. Or if not, yeah. then you are just accepting that, that this, this is who you are, this is yeah. who you are as an organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the fact that we all like to some degree, like, you know, the joke of like, we all know each other within a one to two degrees of separation. <laughs> yeah. So like, all it takes is me to know Jeff who says, oh my God, the culture of that hospital is horrible. I tell friends, they tell friends. Right. right? So it just makes it that much harder. Like that's, it's going to take a lot for that hospital to change for people to go back there. I, I have a question. It might be a difficult question. Um, oh, I'm excited. Thinking about <clears throat> thinking about someone that has has been doing the bullying, and you know, you, you get to that point where it's you, you've had a conversation, and, and things don't seem to be working out. Is, is there a chance? And, and I know re- rehabilitation is probably not the right term here, but is there a way to get that person to flip and sure. be a positive influence in in the workplace culture, as opposed to being something that people are intimidated by or? Uh, having to watch them be a bully to to other people. Is is there a way to do that? Absolutely. I think that I can't, um, I think that if I'm, I was in a situation, if I'm a manager or a team lead and there is a person doing this, I would, yeah, give them the opportunity to like, here's what's happening and give them the opportunity to do something about it. And again, maybe they didn't know that's the, what they're doing and the effect it's having on people. But 
it's interesting to note these things that individuals who do this kind of stuff in like their outside life is probably similar to what's happening in work. So like maybe they have some really rocky friendships or don't have a lot of friendships because I don't know many people who are completely different person outside of work than they are inside of work or maybe some degree, you know, like just a little generally the same. If you're a hothead at home, you're probably a hothead at work, right? So maybe they like that, maybe that just the opportunity to hold that mirror up to a person of like, do you realize that this is sort of limiting you personally? It's limiting you professionally. And yeah, this is going to get away in the way of your success. But you're right. It does take some introspection and it takes the ability to realize like, oh, I'm the problem. It's me. Quoting, <laughs> quoting Taylor Swift. Yeah. That, um, yeah. That takes a like, that's a tough pill to swallow if you're like, oh, I'm the problem here. But I do think that that's a possibility. I think that like I did that. I was a difficult person for a while and I had to do the same, that kind of soul searching. And then I guess kind of as a follow up to that, let's say that person wants to make that effort. Like they, the lights come on and they think, mm -hmm, oh, mm -hmm. I had no clue. What about the person or people who were bullied, being bullied? How do you address with them? Like, hey, I had a conversation with this person. They had no clue. Uh, and so like, mm -hmm. I can imagine some hesitation on their end to just be like, oh, sure. Uh, tomorrow, Jeff's going to be a great guy. And he's got a clean slate as far as I'm concerned. Like, sure. I imagine yeah, exactly. there has to be some kind of mitigation with that too. Correct? Totally. Yeah, I agree. Yes, absolutely. I think that what I would want, if I'm the person being bullied and I go to you, Jeff, my manager, and you're like, okay, I'm going to address this. I'm going to go talk to them. You do that. And you write, they had no idea the effect of it. You give that person, but I feel like there needs to be actionable things. It's not just a conversation where you're like, please do better. Sure. No, it's like, you need to do better in this capacity in these ways. And we are going to meet again in two weeks and we're going to see your progress or your lack thereof, right? So it's not just a like pat on the back, hug, here's a tissue, move on, right? No, this is a, we're going to like follow up on this. And then because you're a good manager, you're going to go back to me and say, okay, Heather, I talked to them. Here's a plan. We're going to like over the course of two weeks, we're going to see how things go. They were totally and like unaware of what was happening. And this is how they're going to work to improve things. If anything happens though, don't hesitate to reach out. So I think that it's on the bully then to like, you know, change their behavior or whatever. And then maybe depending on what their relationship is, maybe they can be like, Hey, I'm really sorry about all of that. You know, but I think the default should be to, um, if they need to have, if you think that they need to have a conversation, there should obviously be three people there, somebody to mitigate it. Um, but I think that keeping everyone in the loop and being transparent to everybody about what the plan is, is a way to get buy-in then from everyone else. Gotcha. And then if you follow up and you're like, you're doing great. Keep it up. This is exactly like, we love to see this. Let's meet again in a month, you know, but like that person knows that they're going to have to sit back in front of you and explain their behavior or not. I think as a night, as an encouragement to be like, Oh, I'm going to, this is going to get serious. Mm. You know? And I think it's, I think it's reasonable to say if this, if you keep this up, this is going to cost you your job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, there, like you said earlier, there has to be some consequence like this cannot just mm -hmm. go on ad infinitum or like nothing is ever going to change. Yeah. Because if I'm the person experiencing it, it's just like, what's the break? Like, then I learned that no, anyone can get away with anything, right? It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm just a number on the schedule or whatever. It doesn't matter. So I think by doing something about it as the employee, I think like, wow, my management team really is looking out for me and for us. And they did something about it. Well, and then you also have the risk of the person that is bullied, then turning that around and 
passing that on to somebody else. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. For sure, somebody for else. Sure. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. that's that's usually yeah. What you're happens, totally right. right. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's like, the culture you're allowing. Yeah. And so that's one of the actual theories of what causes this. So like you, as you, the person that there's always some degree of like everything rolls downhill, right? So like now I've got my footing in here. I know what's happening. I'm going to take out everything that happened to me on the new person. You're absolutely right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Well, at- I don't. I don't believe it's been an hour, but the the <laughs> clock says it has. So, it's, it's, oh, um, can I add to you one thing? Well, uh, we're going to ask you: Is there anything okay. that we haven't yeah. talked about? So yeah. this would be where you would <laughs> yeah. add that in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think that um, we should the people who were put into leadership roles or like the technician who gets promoted to lead technician, they're promoted based on their hard skills. They're not promoted based on their soft skills. Soft skills being the ability to like have an emotional intelligence, communicate, whatever. So we do a lot of training on the hard skills. Part of the training for our teams should include those soft skills so that you realize this way of communicating is not effective. You're turning people off, you're upsetting people. So training that person, but hire differently too. So I've got some, can I read these? Some examples of, of what kind of interview questions. So, um, and don't confuse somebody's credentials with this is going to make a great team member, right? So we have interview questions that do have a um, focus on hard skills just to help us kind of figure out if they're a level one or level two type person, but they're really focused on how do you handle stress? How do you communicate? So here's two interview questions that I would ask. One Stress and frustration can easily develop due to difficult cases, clients, and or coworkers. What are some examples of the way you navigate these situations? So that is, if this person's like, oh, I'm going to lose it and I'm going to walk out, right? Then you'll be like, oh, that's maybe not a person I want in my space. Negative talk and actions are two contributors to an unhealthy culture and poor morale. What do you do when this happens around you? What if the negative talk is from a doctor or supervisor? So that's like, how do you handle gossip? If someone's being rude, mean, what do you do about that? And then we also ask, if I ask your teammates, if you would take this job, accept it, in six months, if I ask your team what it's like to work with you, what will they say? Those are some great questions. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. For sure. And as the person that does a lot of the interview questions for my company, I'm going to be stealing those. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, I've got a bunch more, Dave. If you want, oh, yeah. if you want my document, I'll send you that. Um, 100%, yes. So the, anyway, so the focus is more on the things that promote bullying. So like training is a huge focus of our practice. How do you feel about training people of all levels of experience or whatever? And so if they're like, I'm really over training, then that's not your person. They could be a VTS in emergency critical care. But if you have a need for training, that's not your person. Right. Also, uh, one other thing is so that don't trust your gut. Your gut is probably wrong. And so like use, do structured interviews use the like compare and contrast how one person answers that question of like how you handle stressors versus other people to kind of be able to predict who's going to do well in a job. Don't do personality testing. Those are horrible things to do. Um, And like Myers-Briggs is a really super problematic, horrible thing. So like, don't lean on that to be like, Oh, we need more extroverts in here or more introverts or something like that. That's not a way to. Is that the one that's like the STNJ or whatever it is? Yes. Yeah. I, Super I problematic. Yeah. I don't even understand how to. How to good. 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 Then don't. I wouldn't even mention it. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that we didn't? Co- I can't believe how fast this conversation. I went know. On. I know. Um, we covered a lot of ground, but it also feels like we barely just like scratched the surface. I know. It feels like we just got started. Um, yeah. Anything else that we didn't get in there that you want to? Yeah. 
a couple. So like other takeaways is I think this is leadership's responsibility. I think it's a leadership like of the hospital to address this. If you're the team member experiencing it, I think this is where you take it to your leadership. And if you're in a leadership role and you know this is happening in your practice, I think this is your like invitation to be like, okay, you got to do something about it. Um, and then I think like you, the trust and the team, the like collaboration and the connection you get after you remove that person, um, just explodes among your team when you remove that person. So like, don't the thinking of we're short staffed already. I can't fire this person is the wrong thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I can imagine being in that role, like, or being in that place. Um, I, I would probably be much more willing to pitch in and help out in, in exactly. the short term if if that major stressor was removed. Exactly. Suddenly you have bandwidth to do all those other things that you normally wouldn't. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Especially if, if, if the hospital has a reputation of hiring appropriately and, you know, yeah. recruiting and, and what have you, or if it's if it's gonna be something where you know when that person is let go, their position is gonna sit open for a year because the hospital just spins its wheels and doesn't really do it. Yeah. Then I would uh, yeah. again be frustrated. But, but if again, like you said, if the leadership has shown that propensity to, to write that, then absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And all of us doctors don't get to do that. They don't get to be crazy people. Team members don't get to be crazy people. Yeah. That's a much cooler place to work. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Aside from mental health and bullying and hazing and, and what have you. I know we asked you this question last time. I think actually, I think we were asking this question at that time. Is there Possibly, anybody yeah. you would recommend in your seat or a topic you can think of that we should discuss in a future episode? Um, I was thinking of my friend, Robin. Robin was just voted the vet tech of the year in California. And she managed to get her um, spay neuter group is the only fear free certified um, spay neuter oh, wow. group. And initially, and she had to like present to the fear free group, um, like via PowerPoint to get them to even like listen to her because they were like spay neuter groups don't qualify. Right. Um, she's just the technician that you're like, oh, I should do. Um, she makes you like remember why you did what you did and she makes you like optimistic about the future of our profession love it that's great yeah absolutely yeah. We would Jeff, love do you know to... who that is robin post robin post i don't actually i've heard the name but i don't i don't think we've yeah can i send her yes send you please her info? please, yes, please do okay. please do yes 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 all right heather and now we are down to your would you rather question are you Fantastic. ready for it i'm ready so ready all right so we've got three questions here and you need to pick one two or three okay um two Everyone always picks two. No, okay, then then one. (laughs) No, no, no. No, You said two. I'm going with two. Okay, two. Would you rather have your own theme song when you walk into a room (gasps) or have a laugh track every time you said something funny? The first one. A theme song? And Mm -hmm. what would your theme song be? I don't know. i got to think about that. Um, <laughs> can it change? Oh, you know what? So like my sister and I talk about what our walk-up song would be, like if we yeah. play baseball. Yeah, I, that's yeah. what I was um, just thinking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my walk-up song, I think yeah. it would be um, – this is such a great question. Jeff, what's um, your walk-up song? Uh, I don't know specifically which one it would be, but it would probably be a Jimmy Buffett song. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not very like work appropriate, but um, it's okay. offline we don't, we don't I can mind. tell you what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's by a group called Yonaka, Y-O-N-A-K-A. Yeah. And the song is F 
WTB. And it's effing with the boss is the song. Nice. That's my walk-up song. (laughs) All right. I like it. I like it. it. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Um, well, Heather, thank you again for taking another hour out to come by and Happy chat to with do us. Happy to do it. Love to do it. I think there was actually a couple of potential topics in there for future episodes, too, if yeah. you would ever yeah. be interested in coming back oh, again. No, uh, in perpetuity. I need, like, a 10-minute heads up. Heather, are you available? And I'm online. Wonderful. Because yeah. I, I think there was some – I think we just, like, scratched the surface of a couple things that could easily be an entire episode. So we will definitely yeah, be in touch about that for sure. But thank Absolutely. you so much, so much. Thank we you, really too. Thank you it. so much. You make my day. You bet. You bet. Uh, awesome. Well, I'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, absolutely. Caffeinators, you guys take care, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye, guys. Hello, Caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators. We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website, www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.